but Lord, we love you. Thank you for letting us come and uh, providing a way for us again to where we can get out the word of God and fulfill our uh, obligations and duties, Lord, to uh, spread the message of the gospel. I uh, thank you for our folks, Lord. I want to thank you for every person, uh, every member of our church, Lord, the faithful people that you've put at Harriman Baptist Tabernacle that, uh, Lord, love one another. They're filled with charity and love and love for the church uh, and love for their pastor. And they've taken care of me and my family. Many phone calls I've received and text messages, uh, people checking on my family. And, Lord, it just means so much to be a part of a church and a family that loves you and cares for you. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for giving my family a place to worship, uh, a place where we can go and know that there's people that care for our well-being. And I know, Lord, there's others, uh, Lord, that are thrilled that you have given them a church uh, full of love and care uh, and compassion uh, and people that really care about the well-being of others. So thank you, Lord, for the love of God you've shed abroad in our hearts. Thank you for the drive-in services we've been able to have uh, for those men that, uh, Lord, all that were involved in helping with that. I want to thank you for making that possible. Uh, all the many blessings, Lord, that you load us with daily, the benefits. Uh, Lord, we are thrilled and honored to serve you. Thank you for uh, allowing us to live in such a time as this. And, Lord, help us to be a greater light, uh, Lord, to a lost and a dying world that has no hope uh, and are without God in the world. Help us to please, Lord, uh, on our jobs or wherever we are, to be that light that you want us to be. We love you. I pray, Lord, also for our young people. Uh, Lord, please help them during these uh, teenage years especially uh, that have been shut up in their homes. And, uh, Lord, uh, so many things that they already are having to deal with. Uh, I pray, that Lord, you'd help us in our nation to get through this quickly uh, where we can get back to having revival meetings and, uh, Lord, taking our young people to where they can go and hear preaching and the worship of God and, Lord, all those things. Just please help our community. I pray for Harriman. I pray for this community here, Lord, and I pray for those, uh, Lord, that are uh, without jobs, that have lost their jobs due to this uh, crisis that we're in. I pray for their families. I pray, Lord, you'd meet every need, and Lord, help us, use us, that we could be a blessing in the life of some people, uh, Lord, that may need the church at this time to be a help to them. Uh, Lord, please help us to be have an eye uh, not only on our own things, but as the Bible says, also on the things of others. We love you. Again, thank you for all our folks, our people. Uh, Lord, we thank you for our visitors that were able to come and support the uh, revival meeting. I thank you for them. And Lord, I want to thank you again for the men of God you've put in my life. Thank you for the preachers that you've called and separated to the gospel. And, Lord, use them in my life to bring about some help in my family, some guidance and direction from the Word of God. And, Lord, I want to thank you for them. I thank you for Brother Jeff Plemons. I pray and thank you for Brother Bearden, Brother Ray Bearden, Brother Jones, uh, my dear friend, Brother Stennett Blue. Lord, so many men that you put in my life to help me, and I'm privileged uh, Lord, to uh, have uh, been in the presence of these men and had their help. Brother Alan Johnson, so many. And, Lord, I want you to know I thank you for their uh, uh, faithfulness to me, and I pray that you'd help me as a Christian um, be faithful to help those, uh, Lord, and pass on 
uh, that same tradition and care and love for uh, Lord others around me and their uh, spiritual well-being. So, uh, Lord, help all of us to have the right mind in us that was in Christ. And, Lord, we'll love you and thank you for all you do. Uh, I want to pray, Lord, especially for Robin McClure. I pray, Lord, that you touch her, give her some healing, uh, help the doctors to understand and know what's going on in that situation. Uh, Lord, I also want to pray for my dear brother, my dear pastor friend, uh, that, Lord, you'd please help him, his family. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, please help his wife, his children, uh, keep them safe, that if he does have this, maybe they would not catch it. Uh, Lord, but anyhow, we love you and thank you again for this beautiful building, these grounds, uh, Lord, that you've provided for us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <coughs> thank the Lord for his goodness to us this morning. And we'll turn back again to Isaiah chapter number 58. And um, you pray for me, and I'll just work down through some of these verses here and try to catch back up a little bit where we were uh, we started out in Isaiah chapter number 58 and verse number 1. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. And so we began to look at how there is a time, there is a uh, cause and a time for the man of God to lift up his voice and don't withhold anything back as loud as you can proclaim it. Cry out against the mess that my people are in. Uh, he didn't say to cry out against the Gentiles. He didn't say to cry out against the sin of the world, uh, sins of the world. Uh, he didn't say any of that. He said to cry out and cry loud, spare not, and lift up thy voice like a trumpet to show my people. Uh, their transgressions. And we know the uh, Lord uh, said judgment must begin first uh, at the house of God. And so uh, we uh, began to look at how uh, there is a time and a cause for men to cry loud uh, against the sin of their day. Uh, but now that's always has to be tempered and balanced. You can't, um, he doesn't say to uh, do that uh, every single time you open your mouth, scream at people and uh, all that stuff. That's not what he's saying. There is a balance in the ministry and I understand that. But he did say there is a time obviously uh, in which God wants men uh, to cry loud uh, against the transgression of their day. Uh, and so here is uh, no different. He's telling the man of God, the prophet of God, I want you to cry loud and I want you to spare not and lift up your voice. And uh, I want you to uh, manifest, make known to my people uh, their sins. Evidently, uh, there was a, a, a veil in some sins. Uh, they were not seeing uh, their, their problems. And a lot of times I thank God for the preaching uh, because uh, it's, it's, it's even, as I read down through here, uh, it's even at first glance kind of hard for me to understand, uh, well, God, they were doing some pretty good things here. Um, and they were. Uh, the, the, the fasting that they were doing, the, uh, the devotion, the earnest devotion that they had towards their religious activity uh, looked on the surface very good. Uh, but God chose to use a preacher uh, to get up and to cry out and say, you look, uh, there's nothing wrong with seeking God. There's not anything wrong with delighting in those ways and seeking for ordinance justice and all the things that they were doing. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to show you where you're missing it. Um, and that's what preaching's for. 
And so uh, you need preaching in your life. Uh, sometimes, uh, yes, when you have the Holy Ghost inside of you that teaches you uh, and all of those wonderful scriptures that we have, uh, but God's also chosen to establish me in the positions uh, in the church for the edification of the body. And so God will use a man in a position like, say, me as a pastor. Uh, he'll allow me to see some things from the scripture and uh, at least maybe not even see it to a degree, but at least say it uh, in a way that uh, from the scriptures uh, that will speak to you. And so I know many of you know that, but I think it's so important or you wouldn't be listening tonight. Uh, but one of the most important things we need in our life is preaching uh, and God's men. I don't ever want to tie the hands of a man. Uh, I want him to just get a hold of God, get the mind of God, get what the message is right from God and just preach it to me. Don't pretty it up. Don't try to make it sound any better than it is. Just give it to me uh, the way God gave it to you and, and, and I'll take it. Uh, and so I know many of you are the same way. And so if I'm doing something in my devotion and my religious activity to God, but somewhere I'm missing it along the way. I want God, I want somebody to have enough guts to stand up and to tell me about it. Uh, I don't want to continue on in error. And so there uh, certainly is, and I've, I've never understood uh, people getting offended at preaching. Now I know there's, there's men and it could happen to the best of men. I, I know I'm not beyond it. I, I, I don't think I've ever done it so far by the grace of God, but I know there's men that have got it in pulpits and used a pulpit, uh, to, uh, browbeat people or to belittle people or to further their agenda. Uh, and uh, make themselves uh, whatever the case is. I know people have done that. I know that they have. Uh, but um, uh, for the most part, I want to say I do not understand uh, people getting offended at preaching. Uh, if you're guilty of it, and a man of God stands up and he preaches it, uh, there is nothing that, uh, whether he even meant it for harm, uh, Christ, uh, Paul said, even some that are preaching in pretense, uh, Christ, yeah, I'm going to rejoice because Christ is preached. And uh, I have to say amen to that. Whether the man that is delivering my mail uh, is in the right frame of mind or spirit when he gives it to me, uh, that is another matter for another day. What I'm concerned about is what that man's saying is true. And if I'm guilty of it, I want to get it right, regardless of how he meant it. If he was just trying to embarrass me or whatever, whatever the case is, that the devil gets into your mind after a man of God preaches the message and tries to get you offended at him, uh, just always step back and say, look, that's irrelevant to what is most important. And what is most important is that your life glorifies God in every aspect of your life. And so if he's exposed something in your life, uh, and I don't care what he's guilty of, he may be guilty of 10 times worse than what you're, you have done. Uh, none of that matters. It's irrelevant to what the situation is. Uh, the situation is, am I, am I guilty? Am I wrong? Is what he said true according to this Bible? And if so, I want to get it right, and I don't want to walk away forgetful here, and I want to obey the word of God. And uh, so I think that's the proper attitude we need to have, whether a man's crying aloud and his voice has been lifted up like a trumpet and uh, you don't like people yelling at you, uh, whatever, you don't like that delivery style, you don't like that, that doesn't make any less, uh, you're no less obligated to the truth of what's being preached because of the style of the delivery. 
And uh, so I just want to say in that first verse, uh, there is a time when God wants men to cry aloud. And uh, what I want to do is to try to receive that and search myself when he's preaching. Uh, if he's preaching uh, to me and I'm guilty, uh, then I want to get it right. So that's what is most important. But it has to be balanced in all of our ministries. We have to be balanced. Uh, there's a time to weep and a time to rejoice, a time to cry, and obviously a time to cry out aloud and lifting up our voices. So uh, anyway, verse number one, he commands the man of God uh, to cry out. And then verse number two, he said, now these sinners, these people that are in transgression, uh, they seek me daily and they delight to know my ways. And they do this as though they were a nation that did right, uh, that did righteousness. And they are doing this as a nation that was not forsaking the ordinances of their God. And so they ask of me the ordinances of justice and they take delight in approaching to God. And they're doing all of this uh, kind of like the Bible talks about uh, that woman in the book of Proverbs. And they wipe their mouth and they go away as they've done no wrong. And so what they're doing is they're seeking God. They are following uh, after God. They're trying to seek the Lord uh, for uh, obvious selfish reasons. He goes on to expose that. Uh, but they're seeking the Lord. And he said, look, they're doing this. There's nothing wrong. Uh, he's not crying aloud against seeking God, obviously. Uh, but what he's saying is what's going on in their life while they're seeking me uh, is, is, is great confusion. So uh, verse number one, they want him to cry out. And then verse number two, you see the confusion that they're in. Uh, they're in great confusion because they're doing this earnest and devoted work towards God. Uh, and God's not answering them. Nothing is being done. Uh, God is uh, obviously hearing, uh, but he's not hearing in the sense that he's responding uh, to their cries and to their prayers. And, uh, and so they are in confusion and they're almost like they're charging God. In verse number three, we see their complaint and they are complaining that, look, now, Lord, we are seeking you daily. We delight to know your ways. Uh, uh, we uh, take delight in approaching to God. Um, and so in verse number three, my complaint then is, God, why then are we doing what we're doing? Uh, seeing that you're paying no attention. And that's the charge, the complaint that they have to God. They're saying, God, uh, we are devoted. We are doing the ABCs of what you've instructed us to do. And you're not doing your part. You are leaving us stranded. You are doing uh, nothing to relieve us. And you are not meeting the requests that we've laid out before you. And so we want to know why. Why, God, are we the ones that are doing right and you're not doing right? That is almost what they're saying. God, we're doing the righteous things that we... But see, the problem is uh, what they were doing, they weren't looking beyond that and searching their hearts. Uh, God trieth the reins. He searches the heart. And so we see, obviously, in verse number three, we see their complaint. And uh, we're going to look and he's going to reveal their crime. Uh, and, and we'll see the, the main point of all of what God is saying here. Uh, but they're looking in verse number three. Wherefore then have we fasted, uh, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, and here is their crime. Here is what God's charging them with. 
you're telling me that you're doing all these religious activities and I'm not responding and I'm going to tell you why I'm not responding. And I'm not responding because even when you do right, even when you do your religious exercises, you still find pleasure uh, during those times. Even in your fast, you are fasting, uh, but you're still, you're still pleasing yourself. You're still satisfying yourself. And uh, he's going to go on to indict them with several other charges uh, that he's going to lay out. But I believe the, uh, the, the crux of the entire matter is that word pleasure. They are still seeking their own. They are still, uh, take for instance, their fasting, uh, and, and in their fasting, they're seeking things from God for themselves. And uh, there's other, there's more to this, but uh, one thing I want to say, a lot of times even, and we looked at this a little this morning, uh, but even in their religious activity, it's self-centered. Their seeking of God is for selfish purposes. Uh, they have a selfish motive in the end uh, for their seeking of God. They weren't fasting uh, to bring glory to God. They weren't, they weren't uh, fasting uh, to be a blessing to others. Uh, they weren't fasting uh, in any way to bring glory to the Lord. They were fasting to get something for themselves. They were doing religious, they were afflicting themselves uh, to get something out of God. And that can't always be our motive. We don't worship God so that he will do certain things for us. Our motive in tithing is not so that God uh, will give us more money back in return. Uh, we don't give to missions so that God's big shovel will outgive our spoon. It's a great truth and an added benefit. But if God took every dime you owned, he'd still be worthy of fasting and rejoicing and worship and your exercise of religious activity. He would still deserve your worship and devotion if he never answered a prayer. If he never uh, gave you that new job that you wanted. If you never had the car that you wanted. Uh, in fact, if you didn't have a car at all, uh, God still deserves to be worshipped. And so uh, their motive in seeking was selfish. Their motive in fasting was selfish. Their motive uh, in study was, was, was selfish. Everything they're doing uh, was to the benefit in their own end. And the, and the end of their religious exercise was to better themselves. Uh, and so he was trying to get them to see uh, basically uh, that he wanted their heart uh, a whole lot more uh, than he wanted their sacrifice. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, uh, but uh, we can easily get caught up in the same thing. They said in verse number three, we have afflicted our soul. And a lot of people have the idea that that's the end of fasting. And I, I am going to get to that verse. I'm not saying that there's not a subjective benefit uh, to self-denial. Uh, it does help us sometimes to just deny ourselves of some things. Uh, self, and then that self-denial is what I mean by the afflicting of the soul. Uh, it's uh, denying yourself the, the pleasures that you generally uh, want. Uh, it's denying yourself of things uh, that you want and could have. And uh, there is a benefit to that to a degree. But that's not the chief end of why we should fast and seek God. Uh, that's not the chief end uh, at all. Uh, the end uh, of that uh, is going to be revealed to us as we move on down. And uh, so they're charging God. And they're saying basically, you know, God, uh, we followed hard after you. And uh, we are seeking you. 
and you're taking no knowledge of us even. And he says, well, the reason why is because when you fast, you find pleasure and you exact all your labors. Now, when you find pleasure uh, in all of your religious activity, uh, that's mostly the driving reason uh, of why people go to worship. Uh, they don't, uh, uh, generally speaking, uh, I've heard people say things like, uh, uh, well, I hope it gets on. Um, and I understand what they're saying. I'm not preaching against anybody saying that. I understand what they mean by that. Uh, uh, but a lot of times, even uh, not just in where we've chosen to go to church, is not, not that self-interest that's usually found there. Uh, and people are looking for a place that they can get something out of something uh, as opposed to where they can glorify God and be a help to other people. It's generally self-seeking. And uh, even when we get settled in a place and we get settled in a church, generally speaking, uh, we're selfish when we get up and go. Uh, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong to think this, but I usually think this a lot. Maybe somebody will preach to me and God will use a message to help me. And I understand that. And we should want to go to church to get preached to and somebody, and God use a message uh, to help us be better Christians and all of those things. Uh, but ultimately, I think really what God wants out of me and you, he wants us to worship him and desire him and seek him uh, because of who he is. And I want to read, let me read this quickly uh, to you. I wrote this, uh, put, put this in my notes here. Uh, this is uh, by Barnes. He said, uh, hypocrite has no true and real delight in the service of God or in his truth. But at the same time, there may be a great deal of professed interest in the ways of God. A great deal of busy and bustling solicitude about the order of religious services, the external organization of the church, the ranks of a clergy, the claims of a liturgy, there may be a great deal of pleasure in theological discussion, in the metaphysics of theology, in the defense of what is deemed orthodoxy. There may be much pleasure in the music of devotion, in the pleasant voice of a preacher, in the triumphs of party, the advancement of our sect. But true religion is delight in religion itself, in the service of God as such, and because it is holy. It is pleasure not even in the triumph of Christianity as a mere party measure, but in God as he is, his holy service and truth. And so I felt like he could put that in a little better way than I could, uh, but I agree with that statement. Uh, uh, that uh, hypocrite will find, and, and I use the word hypocrite, and, and that is what's going on. Uh, their, their religious activity is not sincere. Uh, it is not real. It is, it is play acting. Uh, and they don't see that yet, but God's going to help them to see that. And so God wants the heart. He doesn't want mere uh, devotion to rules. That's what got the, uh, uh, the uh, Jews in trouble to begin with. Uh, they honor with their lips, but their heart was far from Him. And so we have a tendency, if we're not careful in 2020, uh, we can have the same tendency where we have learned, and this is my greatest fear for our young people, they have been brought up in churches and been taught all the things that they should know. They know how and where to say amen. 
They know how to dress. They know how to look. They know how to talk. They know how to stand up and respect people when they walk by to shake their hand. They know all the little ins and outs that we've taught them, uh, how to stand in a choir, how to smile, uh, how to sing, and how to praise, and how to worship. And they've seen the form of what is to go on, uh, but that will never be enough. God is not going to honor us. God is not going to hear us and answer us and reveal himself and his mighty power and presence uh, by the mere exercise of the proper religious activity. And uh, sometimes we get the idea, uh, I've heard people say this, they'll look around at these non-denominational churches that have black lights in the church and they painted the church black and, uh, you know, it just seemed, you know, God's not within a thousand miles. Um, and, uh, we, and, I, and I've heard people make that statement. Uh, well, how come their churches and their parking lots are overflowing God and yet we're trying to do it the old fashioned way? We're trying to adhere to the word of God. We're trying uh, to stand by the King James Bible and uh, to live holy and separated, consecrated lives. Uh, how come there's no reward for us. How come our parking lot is not overflowing? And if we're not careful, we'll get the same idea. And there's a lot of reasons why that's the case, uh, but I'm not going to go into that tonight. Uh, but listen, the, the purpose, the drive, the driving force of me preaching is not that I can have a bunch of people respond. It's not, uh, I'm not going to preach the gospel uh, just so long as I get so many make a profession. Uh, I, I, that is not the purpose in which we do what we do. We are just going to obey the Bible and do right because it honors God and he loves me and deserves my devotion. Uh, if we never see another soul saved, if we never see another family added to the church, I don't care what the response is from the world. Uh, I just want to honor God and do what's right and do what we're told to do and occupy till he comes because that's the right thing to do and God deserves that kind of devotion out of us. But not so with these folks. Uh, they're saying, God, uh, we're not seeing uh, the response from you that we deserve in our devotion. If we do such and such, you're supposed to do such and such. And uh, that's the idea that they had. Uh, like a chess game. I move and then you're moving. And uh, God, I'm going to move. And uh, if, if I go down and I ask you, uh, then uh, you're obligated to respond. And that's obviously not so because here you got people that were seeking God every day and he did not respond until finally he sent a message from a man of God to cry out against all of them. And so they're seeking him every day and his response is you've missed the mark. And uh, so anyhow, doesn't seem very fair, does it? Uh, but that's the character of God. That's what God wants. He wants sincerity. He wants the truth and the inward parts. And uh, he's not interested in dressing up unclean people and making them look right. Uh, he's interested in getting people a new heart. He doesn't want to come in and live in a filthy heart. He wants to cut the old heart out and give a man a new heart. He wants to change a man from the inside. He wants to uh, fill his heart with joy and peace and holiness and love and all those wonderful things. And watch the outflowing, the outpouring of that and the man's life change outwardly from the inside. And so so God's always worked in that manner, but a lot of times we see the outward. Now, we find pleasure in fasting and our religious activities. It seems like uh, we're still finding pleasure. Uh, you know, we, we do that a lot. Now, let me mention this last part here. And you exact all your labors. 
Now, here's what they were wanting from God. They wanted God to be easy on them. They wanted God to reward them. They wanted so much out of God, but they did not want to treat other people that way. So here's what they were doing. And I'll tell you why I believe this, but uh, maybe we'll have time to go back and look a little bit at some of these verses uh, in the Old Testament and talking about some things that maybe we can look at. Uh, but uh, what he's saying here in exacting all of their labors, they were, uh, they were still demanding, uh, they were still requiring, uh, they were still getting everything they could get out of everybody else. Uh, they, if they had men working for them, they would drive them just as hard and it'd get every squeeze, every ounce out of every person that they possibly could. Uh, they wanted mercy, but they wanted to show none. And uh, so there's a hindrance to God uh, responding to your religious activity is maybe how you're treating other people. Maybe you want God to forgive you, but you don't want to forgive anyone else. Uh, maybe you want God uh, to uh, uh, maybe pat you on the back a little bit for doing something right, which seems to be where they are. Uh, but you want to be nothing but cruel and mean-spirited and negative to every person that you see. There are some people, if I wanted to get depressed, I know exactly a few phone numbers to call. They're negative about everybody and everything. They can find fault with the best of people. It don't matter what good you do. You could bring a million dollars and they'd have swore up and down you had a million and one and you kept that one dollar for gas they are as negative and critical they're mean-spirited uh, they uh, they pretend like they're not but they'll cut down everybody they can cut down and then wonder why God won't respond in the day of their calamity in the day in which they are seeking God uh, God doesn't show them very much mercy and it could be because of how you're treating others you're wanting God to uh, go easy on you to understand uh, your makeup to understand your failures yet you love him and uh, all of those things uh, but yet you don't want to understand that other people are just people other people fail just like you do other people mess up just like you do and you don't want to have that understanding you want to cut them down and belittle them and criticize them and make them look as bad as you possibly can so I've got a news flash for you maybe God will treat you that way maybe God will belittle you in front of everybody Maybe he'll shame you. Maybe he won't let you buy with the slightest problem. Maybe that's the problem here. Maybe they were finding pleasure, yes, in their fastings. And they were pleasing their self. But they were also very hard on other people. And I've seen that in our independent movement. We have been so difficult, so hard on people. I'm telling you, and I'm not talking about every church. If you're not guilty of that, just say amen and thank God for it. But I have seen some people bind with bound with burdens from churches and preachers. I've never seen the likes in all of my life. One little mess up and they'll throw you to the curb. That's why our altars are empty because people... People are scared to death to be honest that they've got problems because there's no telling what somebody's going to say or do or how they're going to be treated. They're scared to death to admit they've got issues that they need help with because they're afraid they're not going to be allowed to get in the choir or they're going to be afraid they're not going to be allowed to ever teach a Sunday school class. Or So what they do is they'll begin to hide it because they're afraid because of how their brothers are going to respond and treat them to that situation. And 
And uh, so we have to be extremely careful. If we want from God, we better be careful, number one, that we take heed to our brother and how we're treating our brother. Uh, we've let certain groups of people rob us of blessings because they've misused and missed. Uh, I'll tell you one right off the bat. I'm for a bus ministry. I'm for busing in children that have no hope. Uh, as difficult as it is to deal with lost children that are raised in home without God and have uh, cussing and all the various things that come along with all of that. And uh, I'm for that. And uh, what's happened is you had a bunch of lost men uh, get together and want to build great empires. And they are lost. I believe they're lost. even know the gospel. And they, they filled churches full of warm bodies uh, to build an empire. And they did so by having kids sign cards and say, do you want to go to hell when you die? Well, uh, who doesn't? And bringing them in and giving them a big meal and uh, patting them on the back and uh, telling them they're going to heaven when they die by raising their hand. I've seen people tell and report we had 10 people saved on the bus route today uh, and they'll explain how they did that. And uh, if if you want to be saved and go to heaven, just raise your hand and all of those types of things. No conviction, no repentance, no no dealing with sin, no turning from idols, no, just raise your hand if you don't want to go to hell and we'll count you in the number. But I don't think it's right to let people rob us of a great blessing that we could be to communities because they wouldn't do right by what they did. Uh, for instance, you hear charismatics all the time talk about the Holy Ghost and Baptist preachers are about scared to death to talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit because a bunch of people took it the wrong way and made a doctrine of it. And uh, we, we should not do that. We just need to be, but I, I want you to look in Deuteronomy chapter number 15, uh, just quickly in Deuteronomy chapter number 15, that stirred my heart a little bit. Uh, here's an example of what they should be doing. Um, in verse number one, it says at the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth ought unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner thou mayest exact it again, but that which is thine with thy brother thy hand shall release. And there's other verses in here. So what they were, what God's charging them with is they're exacting everything. They're ignoring ordinances such as that. They're ignoring where uh, God has said to uh, not make usury of your brother, not to tax them. There was a great business to be made and there's still a great business to be made in lending people money and charging interest for lending that money. And uh, it's done a lot in the world, but it was done here also. So they would lend to their brother and charge uh, 15%. God said, not so. You're not supposed to lend to the, to the poor. And from the best of my studies, I don't believe they were legally supposed to charge a tax or charge an interest, a compound interest uh, or something like that to their brother either. They could do so to the foreigner uh, because he wasn't under the umbrella and the, of the covenant. He wasn't under... Uh, the protection of the nation, in, as it were. Uh, but they certainly could not tax the poor. They could not certainly, uh, excuse me, uh, charge interest to the poor. 
uh, they were supposed to lend. And in fact, Jesus said, uh, lend and expect not to receive again. And uh, that is the kind of thing done to the poor. Any man that lendeth to the poor lendeth to the Lord, the Bible says. And uh, so uh, we have missed out a lot on that. And I'll tell you, I've done the same thing. He's going to go on to talk about the poor. I'm going to move on here a little bit. Uh, but uh, he's going to go on and talk some about the poor. And uh, we have, and I'm not talking about somebody's poor. See, a lot of people, uh, they'll come and want you to pay uh, and help pay light bills and all those kinds of things. And then you'll see them at the dollar store buying a 12 pack of beer. Now, I'm not going to give you God's money so that you, not knowingly I'm not. Uh, and, and certainly for you to misuse things, you couldn't pay a light bill because you bought two car, uh, uh, cartons of cigarettes. I'm not going to lend you God's money to buy cigarettes and beer. Uh, I just don't think that's being a good steward of God's money. Uh, but there are those out there that are poor and uh, they don't have as much and they struggle uh, and they're working. I think working people, not people that won't work and provide for their families. The Bible's plain on that. They ought to starve and die. That's what the Bible said. And so I'm not lending money to people that are too lazy to, to hit a lick at a snake when it's curled up to strike at them. There's some people so lazy. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful. Uh, but uh, And I don't think it's talking about that. Uh, but you've got people that are genuinely poor, that have become poor, that have lost their jobs and lost everything they have. And they're trying to find work and they need help. They need a hand up. And uh, those kinds of things we've stopped doing uh, because we've grown cynical. We've grown cold. Our loves wax cold. We uh, uh, just assume everybody that needs a little help uh, is misusing the church. And the majority of them are. But what it's done is caused us to disobey the ordinance of God and not helping and lending to the poor and being a blessing to those in the community around us. Uh, the the uh, Southern Baptist churches uh, uh, used to, and, I, and they've uh, again, they've taken something and, and, and said, well, here's what we'll do. Uh, we'll get the church filled. We'll sneak the gospel in on people. We're going to have a meal on Wednesday nights. And then when they get in here, we're going to sneak a gospel message on them. Uh, like some covert CIA operation. I think that's about as ridiculous as you could possibly get. Uh, but uh, people do that and churches do that. And uh, they, uh, they try to reason it out. And I think it's ridiculous. But uh, here, what we did then is we saw them misuse that and take feeding the poor and do something wrong to try to trick people. So we just quit feeding the poor. Uh, we, we just we uh, we we can't allow people that take great truths uh, and great things that would be wonderful to be involved in and to be a blessing and to be a help in our communities. Uh, we can't forsake that because some people did wrong by it. Uh, and, and I think that's what exactly is what's happening here. As we get on down through here, the main charge God has against them following on down through here is how they're treating each other. Uh, you're seeking me. It's kind of like when he said, uh, if you have ought against your brother, if you have a problem with your brother, go make it right with them first. Then bring your gift down. It's that same sort of principle. Uh, uh, you're trying to seek me, but you're going to leave all this undone uh, with your brothers and sisters. Uh, you're going to mistreat people. You're going to be hard on other people. You're going to be unforgiving in your spirit. You're going to be uh, um, uh, all those things that he's already mentioned here. But yet you're going to seek me every day and want something out of me. And what God's basically saying is going to say is it's not going to happen. You're going to have to straighten all that mess out first. When you straighten all of that out and you start getting right with your brother and you start being a blessing again to the communities, 
I mean, uh, that's pretty much what a lot of independent Baptist churches have done uh, as a movement, if you want to call it that. Uh, we have uh, relieved, uh, relieved our conscience by writing a check to missionaries, uh, and we've let the world burn down around us and put the burden on the back of the missionary. Uh, and so we have uh, forsaken our communities, uh, and we think somebody's a compromiser if they want to run a bus route and try to get some kids saved by the grace of God. And most of them are. I just want to go on record saying a lot of them are. Uh, they have them sign cards and raise hands and all that and bunch of trash. Uh, and I understand that. Uh, but there's still a lost and dying uh, young people out there that needs somebody to care enough about them to get them to a, all the more reason why we should try to get people. If we've got the truth and we're so much more right than all of those doing it wrong, uh, I, all the more reason why we should try to get them in here is it not uh, if we're so right and they are so wrong uh, but we're just as wrong as them doing it wrong as us not doing the things that we should be doing not relieving the poor not feeding the sick not clothing the naked because of such and such and so and so and what they've done is just as wrong as what so and so did in their motive to do it uh, God doesn't say forsake doing what's right because others uh, have done it with the wrong motive and uh, so I know it doesn't make things very popular, uh, uh, but uh, that's just the fact for the most part. Uh, independent Baptist churches have pretty much forsaken their communities. Very few uh, go out with a gospel message and go door knocking or uh, very few go witnessing or preach on the streets anymore. And that's wonderful. We do a lot of giving out of the truth. Uh, but I can tell you this much. A man that is hungry and hasn't had anything to eat in several days is not much interested in what you've got to say about the gospel. And so how can a man have the goods of this world and see as his brother have need and shut up his bowels and just say, and they say, well, Peter said, well, Peter was telling the truth. He didn't have anything to give the man more than the gospel. Uh, but you and I do. Uh, people need, they, they are poor. Uh, they are needy. They don't have food, some of them. There's kids that don't have the proper clothes to wear. And uh, we have the ability to want to do it. We've God's blessed and given the money. Uh, and we just want to shut up our bowels of compassion. Uh, because what? We're afraid that uh, somebody might misuse it. Or we're afraid of what? We can't out of fear. That's between a person and God. And what I'm afraid is God. God's going to let these churches um, uh, end up coming uh, down and uh, to not uh, having just. Uh, so we have got to put things to use. We can't just let our communities uh, burn down. I don't want to leave the poor to the Catholic Church. Do you? I don't want to leave the hungry to the lost world that's just going to feed them and never give them the gospel. Uh, it stirred my heart. Uh, the, uh, the Most of these great uh, uh, even hospitals and uh, various uh, projects throughout the world were started by Christians who got a burden to want to see people uh, have the necessary food that they need but be able to give them the gospel also. Uh, it's started by people, hospitals, uh, people that wanted to care for the sick and care for the dying but not leave that just at the physical and be able to give them the gospel also. And so we have got to get back. I wonder if that's why God maybe has to a degree shut up heaven uh, because we 
we've forsaken our brothers around us and we have instead, for a most part, as a movement, are more concerned with putting warm bodies in seats and filling up our churches than we are with people that are starving, people that are dying physically and they're going to die without the gospel if me and you don't get a burden to want to go meet the needs. And so God has shut up heaven because they find pleasures and they exact all their labors. They want forgiveness from God, but they're going to get every dime out of every person that owes them anything. And that's the attitude that they have. And we've got to come back here Wednesday night. But he said, behold, you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. And I have to say, in religious activities in our day, I've seen some of the most disgusting displays out of so-called Baptist preachers that I have unfortunately been forced to have to see in all of my life. There's the unfortunate truth of having to see people Uh, It's almost like, look at me. It's almost like uh, they're doing their religious things that they're doing. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Back when uh, all the churches are trying to uh, obey the governor's orders and shut down their churches, uh, there's many a people that just got on there and just blasted everybody uh, that was so unspiritual. How could you let the church, uh, the state control you? And uh, uh, I even had one man get on Facebook and he said, I'm going to remove from my friends every preacher that closed the doors of his church. Uh, So I was still open at the time, but I sent him a kind little message and told him I'll go ahead and do the work for you in case I do decide to close down the church doors. And so uh, anyhow, what I'm trying to say is, is that what they were doing, their religious devotion they were doing for strife and debate, they were only doing what they were doing to win. Uh, They were fasting so that they would look more approved in the end. Uh, There's people that are doing religious things just so that they will look better than the ones who aren't doing it. And so they think that somehow they're going to win favor with God uh, because they kept their doors open and everybody else shut down. Can I just say to you, you are about plumb crazy uh, to have an idea like that. I mean, God is not rewarding anybody uh, because of that decision or the they did uh, they, 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 if, if it was just true devotion uh, to God, they wouldn't be the first place they go is the most public form they can find and tell the world, I'm open, but everybody else is closed. Well, good for you. I hope God gives you a big cookie uh, so that you can enjoy all your self-righteousness. Uh, but this is the same attitude uh, that these people had is the same attitude that I see in independent independent Baptist churches and out of independent Baptist so-called fundamental preachers in our day, uh, most of what they do, they're doing it so they'll look more spiritual than everybody else. I got up at five. The next preacher, I got up at 4.45 and met with God. Why don't you just keep your mouth shut about it and let God reward you openly? Uh, I know I'm being a little offensive here, but I sure mean to be uh, because it's disgusting to other people and our churches are emptying because they're tired of seeing the competitions. The the, uh, people are doing things just to look better than their neighbor. 
Uh, their uh, pastors are, are doing and making decisions so that they'll look better and more spiritual than that church down the road. And I don't know many that way on a personal level. Uh, but it does exist, and I want to cry out against it. It's out there, and I think it's despicable. Uh, I think it's awful. Uh, I, I don't think that there's anything worse a preacher could do uh, than to promote himself as some kind of spiritual giant in our day or in any other day. And uh, God will do that if you need exalted. God will exalt you. Uh, but this is what they're doing. Even their fasting... They're fasting for strife and debate. That's exactly what is being done in this day. Uh, there are those that are doing the same things. Uh, they're uh, trying to win, trying to be seen as more spiritual. Uh, I fasted longer. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Even to the point, look at what he says in verse number four. It's even getting to the point that they're smiting with the fist. We've got to stop now. As my time has ended. But it's getting so bad amongst these religious people. And please understand, I'm not bashing independent Baptist churches in the sense of, I don't think there's a, 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 a church more that has more truth than the independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, King James, premillennial, missions-given church. I, I'm for that. What I'm saying is I don't want us to get to a place uh, where uh, the spiritual temperature gauge uh, is the length of a dress, and I'm for it. It's how long you fasted, I'm for it. Uh, it's whether or not you uh, had church services five times a week and were also doing various other things as opposed to your brothers only doing three. And, uh, I, it's, not a, it's not a competition. It's not a debate about who's better. Uh, it, that's not what all of this is about. It's about the glory of God. It's about you doing according to your conscience and according to what the Spirit of God has told you to do and you do that to the best of your ability to the glory of God. And that is what it's it's about. It's about winning souls. It's about. And so what we've done is we've let our communities burn down around us uh, so that we are, because we are too busy uh, having debates on Facebook about uh, being in competition about who's better than the other man and who's more spiritual and uh, who's more right in this certain doctrine. Uh, and that is, it seems like what is happening in our day again. Not everybody, but uh, I have seen that uh, creep into the church. Now, behold, you fast for strife and debate. And it's even gotten so bad that these people, because uh, we know there were various sects inside the uh, nation of Israel. There was various uh, beliefs and uh, things like that with different little groups. And there is in the independent movement. I mean, just being independent uh, Baptist church doesn't mean everything anymore. It could mean a variety of things. And uh, you can have different opinions about various things. And we're broke up into different camps and different little sects of uh, who believes this on divorce and remarriage and who believes this on uh, dress and who, who believes this on repentance? Is it just a change of mind or is it a change of mind that results in a change of action or uh, what do they preach on lordship? Everybody's painted with a brush and pushed into a little corner and I'm not going to be with this crowd and that crowd and uh, before you know it, we're so isolated because we're the only ones that's right. 
And we've isolated ourselves from everybody uh, because we're so much better than everybody. And we've got our maybe one little group that we're willing to publicly identify with. uh, But we can't ever interact with somebody else because we're unsure where they might stand in the camp. And that is absolutely disgusting. And I want to go on record to say it makes me sick to my stomach. And uh, it makes me feel a little better to say that. Why don't we get back to being focused on what's important, preachers, uh, um, uh, people of God? Why don't we get back? What God has chosen, uh, he is going to go on to tell us about what he has chosen. If we want to hear from God and we want to see God move as he did in days gone by, uh, we are going to have to do what's instructed to us as we move on down here. And I understand dispensation. I'm talking about the principal truth of the matter. God is not going to hear from people. I don't care how many times a day they seek him when they're selfish and they're fighting and they're debating and they're only trying to promote self. And uh, it's absolutely pitiful to me uh, to see that happening in our day. Look at what else he says. We're done. We'll, We'll finish with verse number four. You shall not fast as you do this day. Look at, look at another charge he lays against them. You're doing it to make your voice to be heard on high. You know what basically saying? I'm more spiritual than everybody else because I've been fasting, so listen to me. That's kind of the spirit in which they had. They thought that by their certain religious activities that they were involved in, that somehow that made them better than everybody else. Everybody should hear what they had to say because they were doing X, Y, or Z. And uh, that is the attitude that they took. And it's particularly here fasting, I understand that. Uh, And you don't see a lot of that in our day. Uh, but uh, we should be doing a whole lot more uh, fasting. But uh, uh, this kind cometh forth not but by fasting uh, and prayer. And if you look at that verse, you see some of the motivation behind the fasting. Uh, Some of the motivation was to get that kind to come forth and out of those people. Uh, The thought was generally towards others. It wasn't just so that you could get some sort of spiritual benefit uh, by being involved in some sort of religious exercise. It was for the benefit of someone else. This kind cometh forth but by fasting and prayer. And so you can see some uh, glimpse into what is going to be said here as we move forward. Um, but behold, you strive, debate, uh, you smite with the fist. Um, you shall not fast as you do this day uh, to make your voice uh, hurt, to be heard on high. Uh, is it such a fast as I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head uh, as a bulrush? Uh, that word means, uh, can also be translated like a hook. If you think about a hook uh, that you catch fish with. Uh, but uh, if you think about a man's head bowed, you kind of see that hook. Uh, and so what this actually is, is a rush. It's a, it's a plant planted by uh, 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 like a marsh uh, and that is laid over or something like a palm tree that comes out. So what he's saying is it's kind of like, uh, is it just simply so that you can go around uh, or that have your head bowed and, uh, and just bow your head? That's what it's uh, relating to there. Uh, but is it a fast that I've chosen just merely for a day for a man uh, to afflict his soul? Uh, what's being said here? Uh, people have a lot of ideas. I want to tell you what, what, what I believe here is what's being said and then we'll be done. But is it a fast I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Uh, that sackcloth is a very um, 
uncomfortable, uh, very coarse cloth uh, that they would often get on uh, their knees and pray on and spread out underneath them. Uh, While thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord, uh, I believe what's being said here, because I do not believe that there's anything wrong uh, with a man uh, setting aside a fast uh, in a sense to afflict his soul, in a sense to... um, to deny himself of certain pleasures, um, in a sense to uh, turn the world off around him and to just uh, bow his head and, and, and mourn and pray and seek God and, uh, and, and all of those things. And uh, I believe that's a good thing. So I don't, I'm not in either camp really on this verse. I'm kind of saying that it's both. Uh, yes, there is a sense in which there's a fasting. And so what I think is being said here is, is it merely, is fasting that God has set forth, is that merely the end of it being that you just uh, uh, have a day to afflict your soul and bow your head as a bulrush, spread sackcloth and ashes under you. Oftentimes they'd sprinkle them on their head and on their groin, uh, on their loins there. Uh, is that merely the end of, of fasting? Is that what fasting is really all about? Um, and evidently not. Evidently he says no. That's not all. So I don't think he's necessarily saying that, um, that that's not an okay thing to do, part of your fasting. Uh, but that's not merely all that should be done. Uh, in fact, he's going to say basically, if you're, uh, let's say basically, um, I've thought about this often this week, uh, when I, a lot of us will fast and we'll go a certain number of days without food and maybe just drink water. Uh, and so what, one thing that gets me through that, just being honest with you here and I'm done, but I may have something uh, in the refrigerator uh, or something that I'm saving up uh, that at the end of this thing, buddy, I'm going to eat uh, that uh, thing and I'm going to eat about all of it that I can find. Uh, and so uh, uh, the food that we don't eat in those three days is just on reserve in the cupboard, in the kitchen. And uh, what he's looking at here, what he's trying to say is, okay, uh, for instance, if you're going to fast and you're going to take a day and you're not going to eat your food, why don't you take what you would have eaten and give it to somebody else? Why don't, because he's going to go and say, why don't you call the poor that have been cast out and call them into your house? Uh, why don't you uh, take those things that you would normally please yourself with and don't just put them on hold to pick them back up when you're done fasting. Why don't you just give them to somebody else? Uh, that's kind of the, the spirit behind which he said here. And it's really helped me a lot uh, to think um, of uh, my fasting. If I, if I go, you know, two or three days without uh, eating and maybe just drink water or milk or something like that, uh, everything I would have eaten, why don't I give that to someone? Why don't I go ahead and go through the drive-thru and those, ty- and those meals and pay for the person behind me or uh, uh, find a family that needs groceries and, and, and buy them groceries? Uh, there's more to the fasting uh, than just to afflict your soul and just for you to bow your head and just for you to do. There's more to it than that is what he's going to go on to say. Uh, is not this a fast I have chosen? And we'll go on to look at this. Uh, and see what he is talking about. Loosing the bands of the wickedness. Undo heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? Uh, how many of us are doing anything even remotely like that? 
I mean, you know, we've missed something, I think, along the way. I know I have. I'm not charging anybody. I'm saying uh, even in myself, I I have felt like if I just do uh, certain religious exercises that somehow God, that's going to move God. And that in itself is not enough. We've got to... We have got, God chose to leave us and uh, in a time such as this to make a difference in this world. Uh, and uh, there is certain things we're obligated to do. And um, I want to get back to doing it. There's people dying going to hell. There's people that, um, you know, their kids are hungry. Their uh, families don't have clothes and things that they need. And there's people that have great needs. And I, I've even thought about this. They used to, I know a lot of times they had benevolence funds and things like that. I, I've often wondered if some of our missions or even our local budget should be set aside to help families. Um, and, and I don't know where along the way we've gotten so cold towards wanting to help people. And I know we've been burnt so many times. Church, I know that. I've been burnt more times than I even ever want to admit up here in the pulpit um, and giving people money and things like that. Uh, but, you know, God's always, God's always paid it by. It's on them if they misuse it. Um, I just, I want to be a blessing to others. I, I want to try to, uh, I don't want to forsake. And what they were doing, they were doing right. They were seeking, fasting, delighting, uh, studying, seeking out, searching uh, the ways of God, delighted in that. Uh, but yet the way they treated everybody else around them uh, was pitiful. And I wonder if that's not exactly what we're doing in our day. Uh, we'll have revivals and we will have great preachers come in and we'll have prayer meetings leading up to that thing, praying every day, fasting that God would move in that meeting, maybe even have a desire to see people saved by God's grace. Um, but then at the same time, we'll pass by uh, people left and right that are starving, that are, uh, that are oppressed uh, with sin and wickedness and uh, you know, I think it's time for God's church to un- un- isolate itself and get back into the communities and make a difference. And so that's what I want to keep a fresh burden. This church has always done that. Brother Jones has left a legacy uh, of that in this community. Uh, and many of you have. He didn't do it by himself. And I want to carry that on. When I get, when we get back to uh, some, you know, coming to church and back to normal and all, I want to have a fresh vision to try to reach out into this community and and be a blessing and a help to our communities. Lord, we love you. Thank you for letting us have this time together. Uh, I pray for our people. Keep them safe. I pray for all of our members and their jobs, their employers. Uh, Continue to help them to prosper, Lord, where they'd be able to work, provide for their families. Uh, Lord, I pray for that soul especially that's nearest hell and may be listening tonight. Uh, May they, uh, Lord, uh, see Jesus as you allowed us to see him and be changed, Lord, for the glory of God. And, Lord, change the hearts of your saints. Help us, Lord, that have just honestly, Lord, we have grown cold, indifferent to things. Uh, We don't have much expectancy anymore. We don't really have much expectancy for you to move in revival, much expectancy to see people saved or churches grow. um, And, Lord, just forgive us for that. Uh, we know we're in the last days. We know there's a sense in which we're a victim of times and uh, all of those things. But, Lord, we, we want you to be glorified, uh, and we want to see sinners saved. You, we know you do uh, more than any of us. 
Lord, you want to see lost saved. And so help us to have a fresh vision and get back on fire for God and helping us to um, invite people to church, give out gospel tracts, be a witness and a light, and be a help to families that are struggling, uh, not just in this time but all along. We love you. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.